right, all right. Thanks. You may be seated. Well, hello, church. It is so good to see you. My name is Wade Giffen. I, um, along with Pastor Katie, I get to serve here at Trinity. If we've not had a chance yet to meet yet, I look forward to that. Welcome to you who are online. Um, I have tried to resist with every ounce that's in me to, to, to try not to talk about the Super Bowl today. But I grew up in Cincinnati, and it's been a long, dry spell, gang. So, uh, who day, right? <laughs> Sorry if you're a Rams fan. I'm just, that's where I am today. Good to see you. Hey, um, we are uh, going to do a little focus today on a really important doctrine of theology. And I'll say more about that in just a minute. But we want to base today's conversation and today's teaching on a part of the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. It's the first letter. If you want to follow along, I'm going to be in chapter 15, and I'm going to start at verse 35. Um, 1535. Now, um, the focus today is resurrection. So keep that in the back of your mind as we, um, as we jump in. So hear these words from uh, Paul to a church long, long ago, and even to the church just today. Paul writes this, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other some other grain, but God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Now jump down to 42 with me. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So let me put into context just a little bit <clears throat> what we are uh, trying to do in this week and actually in the next couple of weeks to come. 
When we sit down and we look at what worship is going to look like in a year, there are a whole lot of things that really inform those decisions. But um, uh, you will be glad to know that we do plan ahead a little bit. <laughs> and uh, for example, we know pretty much what all of the sermons and worship is going to be like for the, for the rest of 2022. And when we do that, we do it looking at a year for a reason. And that is because, well, first of all, we want to protect you from us. So you just don't have to hear our favorite stuff week after week after week. <laughs> But also, we get to look at the whole year and say, are we really providing a, um, a balanced spiritual diet for the kinds of things that will help disciples grow as followers of Jesus? And so there are a variety of different things that we try to do. One of those maybe be we'll have a series around pastoral care if we've gone through some kind of a challenge or a difficulty in our lives. And sometimes we'll... Um, uh, we'll have a, a series that will focus on a particular book of the Bible or a person of the Bible. You, you, we've done a few, a few of those. But one of the things we always try to do is have a couple of weeks where we just really dig into theology. They really do the theological um, piece of work. And um, that's kind of what we're going to do today. Um, and when we talk about doing theology, what I'm saying is that we're digging into some theological doctrine. Because sadly, the Christian family as a whole tends to be really, really weak in theological literacy. We don't understand theology. And sure, we got lots of words that, that we could use, but if really pressed on a theological issue or a doctrine, could we articulate what we believe about it? And I'll tell you, there's a lot of stuff out there related to theology, and it ain't all good stuff. Just not. Um, some of it tends to be shallow in its understanding, very superficial. And sadly, a whole lot of theology is warped out of context to serve a purpose for the person who's speaking. So we want to do better. We want to be better. Um, and so this week is one of those weeks we're going to take a look at, um, at theology. Now, I'm going to take just a quick second and talk about the word theology itself, because some folks in earlier service found this really helpful. What is theology anyway, right? I say that I'm a theologian, that I went the to theological school. What is the word theology? Well, I think the simplest way for us to think about it, and it's always helped me, is to say, take that word theology and divide it into its two pieces, that word theo and ology, right? Theo and ology. Theo comes from a Greek word, theos, which simply means God, right? That's a pretty easy one. And then ology comes from a Greek word logia, logia which means talking about. So theology is God talking about or talking about God. That's probably the most accessible. And on the surface, that says, whew, that seems pretty easy to do. But it's when we take the next step in theology that becomes challenging. And that's what I like to call the theological task. What is the theological task? Well, it is to take the words about God, the theology words, and actually bring it to life and make it, make it live within some other kinds of things. So, for example, we want all of our theology, all of our words, to be grounded and rooted in our ancient religious text. And for who we are as Christians, of course, that's the Bible. 
And, and we add to just those basic scripture texts the experience um, uh, and the tradition of the human that has had since those were written down. How have I experienced God? How has God made God's self known to me in those? And how do I apply that to this modern time and day? And I think it's also important for us to know that doing the theological task means that no one doctrine can live by itself. When we're thinking about Christian theology, every doctrine has to live with other doctrines. This is sometimes, I think, where we get in trouble. So it, 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 what that means is what I say and what I believe about who God is, it needs to square with who I say Jesus is. Or it needs to square with what I say the nature of the church is or humanity or sin or any of those other kinds of things. Does that, does that help a little bit to think about theology and why we're um, trying to, to do that? So we're going to move today and we're going to look at uh, uh, the, the word resurrection. But more specifically, we're going to talk about the resurrection of the body. You almost guessed that was coming from the last song that we, that we sang in here. Because that last song we just sang is essentially words from the Apostles' Creed. Um, and many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with the Apostles' Creed. It's an ancient creed of the church where we use words that affirm what we believe as persons who follow Jesus. And in that ancient Apostles' Creed, there is that line almost right at the end, and it says, I believe in the resurrection of the body. I believe in the resurrection of the body. And yeah, we believe that, but what, what does that mean? I mean, what would you say to someone who has never heard that before, who came to church with you, and you, and, and we said that, that, um, that creed, and they said, well, what is the resurrection of the body? Could you answer that question? It's a tough one. Because when we're really pressed sometimes, we find it hard to answer that, even though we may have said that phrase a, a thousand times before. Now, unfortunately, I think that our current culture has set us up for misunderstanding around the resurrection of the body and our confusion. Um, let me just tell you from my experience, and this is where it got started. For me, it probably got fed a little bit when I first saw Michael Jackson's thriller music video, right? With the incredible dancing zombies in the street. Or, or maybe one of my favorite movies from when I was younger was Beetlejuice. Have you all seen Beetlejuice, you know, where, uh, where Beetlejuice is, um, is trying to trick this couple into conjuring them from the grave by simply saying Beetlejuice three times. Beetlejuice, 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 so that he can work mischief in the world. Or maybe, let's just bring it to the modern era, maybe it is um, the Walking Dead series, right, that's helped us this. So what that leaves us wondering often is, is the resurrection of the body going to be kind of like walking zombies, well, here's some good news. No. You know, do we all just jump up out of the grave and re-engage in our life as we're living it? Did you notice that's the very first question that Paul asks in the text today? We're just going to jump up and do it again. And then the second one I'd love, and that is, if that's the case, gang, I want to be able to pick which age and stage of this body comes back, don't you? I want to be able, because let me tell you, the one I got now just ain't like the one I had 40 years ago. It's a lot different. So let's face it, there, there's some pretty bad theology around this, so we can do that. But often, um, we just have to take a deep dive like today. I have officiated 
thousands of funerals in my 30 years of ministry. Um, and I've also had this honor. I have been given the privilege of sitting bedside with people who are dying and with their families um, and walking that journey from this life and crossing over into the next life. And, and if not asked directly, it's often asked indirectly by those folks. And that is like, how is my resurrection thing going to work? Right? How, how's it going to work for me? Or how's it going to work for dad? Now, let me tell you, I've heard, I've heard it all. Lots of people have different ideas from those on one end of the spectrum who's like, I don't need this, this body, I don't need this thing at all, it's useless to me after I live this life, all the way to people who have literally come to me and said, we're considering cremation as, um, as at the end of our life, is that going to work okay with the resurrection? That's a legit question, right? So we have that whole spectrum. I was once given this incredible gift by an elderly clergy colleague of mine. Um, he was a retired, uh, retired pastor, happened to be attending the church that I was serving. And one day he called me because he wanted me to know that he had this disease of the lungs that um, was going to cause them to get hard and they would eventually no longer work. And, and he said um, he wanted me to come by the house to talk about it. And he said, I want to share with you an idea I've got. So I went. Now, this was a lot of years ago, so I, I hadn't had very many pastoral care experiences in this situation. So I just walked in and said, so tell me, what does this diagnosis mean for you? And I'll never forget the way he responded to me. Now, you need to know that he was Italian and he had grown up in the Bronx. All right? So his report, rep response to me when I said, what is this diagnosis? Because I'm going to die. <laughs> you know, I mean, just very direct, right? Um, and after a little bit of small talk, so I could pick myself up off the floor <laughs> from that moment, we got to the idea that he had. He said that he wanted me to take, he wanted to take me on his journey of dying with him. That he would tell me everything about the experience he could until he could no longer talk or that he died. And he said that as a pastor, he always thought it would have been helpful to his ministry with people who are dying if somebody had actually done that with him. And he wanted to give me that gift. And it was a gift. And he did exactly that. Now, I can't tell you a whole lot about what we talked about. It's pretty private and pretty confidential. He clearly knew he was crossing over. But here's the thing that I want us to to. to, to, to to hear from that story today that's relevant to this. He said that, that at one point he recognized that he had one foot in the earth and one foot in heaven. That was our conversation that day. And um, here's the curious thing that he expressed. He said that, um, that the foot he had in heaven was giving him a glimpse of his heavenly body. Isn't that amazing? that he could almost begin to see it. So what is the resurrection of the body? <clears throat> this reading for 1 Corinthians is probably the most clear and the most helpful. Paul was confronting this question in his church. Now, let me give you context as to why he was getting this question. They weren't just curious. You see, they believed that Jesus' return was going to happen in their lifetime. That, that, there, that there was the crucifixion, that Jesus was raised, that he ascended, and that he was coming back. And they just weren't going to have to wait very long for that. 
But guess what? Time was ticking, right? And, um, and, and some of the followers of Jesus were, as the Bible would say, falling asleep. They were dying before Jesus returned. And they were like, what about so-and-so? What's going to happen to them? What is this resurrection of the body? Fast forward to us. Lots of Jesus followers have died um, since that moment. Now, I, um, I have a key word for us this week. And I think this key word is what has really helped me think about resurrection of the body. And that word is the word changed. Changed. Simply put, the resurrection of the body is a changed body. Does that work? We hear that in the words of Paul um, in, in, a, in a line that I use at every committal at the end of a funeral that I do, we go, to the, we go to the cemetery or we go to a mausoleum or some place of interment. And, and I always use the same words in that place. And that is um, from Paul, and the words are right after what I read today. So this is how I'm sneaking in one whole more piece of Corinthians to you. But um, you can find it, um, I think it's over there on verse 51. And this is what Paul writes further about resurrection. Now listen to this. He goes, listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? So we do know about Jesus' resurrection. We see it in the Bible. I mean, we, we learn about Easter morning. But here's the thing about one of those accounts. We discover that his body is changed on Easter morning. For example, in one case, we read that Mary Magdalene is the first to come to see him. And do you remember that in that account of it, she doesn't recognize who he is and thinks he's the gardener. He's changed. A couple of days later, there are two disciples walk into a city. The name of the city is Emmaus. And a third fella joins the two of them for the journey, and they walk all the way to the city, and they had no idea that that third person was Jesus until they broke bread together and talked about the scriptures. He was changed. So Paul has in this text this image that's really helpful to those who were there. And that is the image of seeds. Did you hear that, all that bit about sowing seeds when I read the text? Paul says, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And for what you sow, you do not sow, check this out, you do not sow the body that is to be, but just a bare seed. And then he says, God gives it a body as God has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. Now, every once in a while, when I'm looking at a text, I like to run over to the translation of the Bible called the message because it's like super, super ultra modern, too modern for some people. But it still, um, it still helps me sometimes. And here's how Eugene Peterson puts it in that translation He's, he, of that scripture. He goes, you plant a dead seed and soon it'll become a flourishing plant. There is no visual likeness between the seed and the plant. You could never guess what a tomato would look like by looking at a tomato seed. That really helps, doesn't it? 
I can imagine everybody in Paul's congregation, they got it because they were, they were an agrarian society. They got seeds. But check it out. When we jumped over to verse 42 today, that's the punchline of the whole section. Paul sets up this whole bit around resurrection. He talks about seeds and sowing. And then he says this. He goes, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. Do you see the connection? Punchline. What is sown is perishable and what is raised is imperishable. Now, he gets into a whole lot of granular detail. Um, he starts making this comparison between the first Adam, who was, you remember in Genesis 1, that when God created human, God scoops up dust and dirt. So, gang, you're just dirt, sorry. Breathe breath into it because we are all like the man of dust. He was talking about that. I had this really cool woman after the first service come today. She goes, I might be dirt, but I'm potting soil. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And then he talks about the second Adam. The man from heaven, and of course, we have to assume that that's, that's Jesus. And he really continues to paint this picture between this physical body that's dirt and the heavenly body that will come from the second Adam. So we're born the image of the man of dust, and he says, then we also will bear the image of heaven. So we are changed. This worn out, illness prone, out of shape, wrinkly skinned body will be changed for a spiritual body. It gives us a little bit of a glimpse of what heaven might be like. So here's some good news. God does not depend upon our body wasting away in whatever form we care for it at the end of this life to be able to give us a new body. But there's this curious thing about that. There's still this connection between the body we had and our spiritual body. Paul's hinting at that just a little bit. Um, Pastor Adam Hamilton is a really smart guy, um, and he, he was writing about this. And, and this image that he uses, um, it's beyond me, but uh, it's helpful, and so I'll just read it. He wrote this. He goes, the bodies of most Christians throughout history have been completely absorbed back into earth. But here's where modern DNA work is interesting. Watch what he does with this. We now know that our physical bodies are a result of an amazingly complex sequence of DNA. Essentially, he says, it is our software, and it is different in every individual. He writes, surely God, who wrote the software that makes up life, has our DNA on file and can use it to create whatever heavenly body God intends. God does not need our mortal body to raise us from the dead. The idea of that is so helpful to, that connects us, the life and, and person we were in our physical bodies um, goes on with us to our spiritual body, our heavenly body. So remember that our key word this week is the word changed. And the hope we get from the text today is that we will experience the resurrection of the body ourselves. And that God, we have the confidence that God has whatever our spiritual DNA is, on, on that sequence on file. And God who will do beyond what we could ever imagine and transform us into our heavenly spiritual bodies. And then the words of the ancient creed will come to life for us. When we say these words in the creed, when we say, I believe in the resurrection of the body, 
Now, if you're familiar with that creed, you will know that's not the end. We don't just say, I believe in the resurrection of the body. Amen. It goes like this. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Resurrection of body gives way to everlasting life. Christ's resurrection and his promise that we will be raised is God's answer to the question of resurrection. Now, of course, there are a lot of images that um, the church has adopted over the years to talk about this resurrection. Um, one of those, obviously, is seeds. We saw Paul do it today. But you know one of the images that we use probably in, more in the modern church is that of a butterfly. We talk about how a caterpillar, you know, goes into the cocoon and, uh, and you know, it rots away and then emerges as a butterfly. So do you know why I gave you a butterfly today? So you should have a butterfly. Those of you online, you are not left out. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm like, I'm pushing religious junk on the internet. I'm really not. But if you want one, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Just please text the word butterfly to the text to connect button and we will send one to you. And it's free, absolutely free. Anyway, you've got a butterfly in your hand. It is an image and a reminder of new life, new body um, caterpillar becoming beautiful butterfly. It's a symbol of resurrection. I think the whole idea of resurrection is woven into everything that God created anyway. I mean, come on, think about it. Think about the seasons. What happens in the fall? The earth appears to have what? Died. But what happens every spring? Back to life. What happens every evening of every day? Light becomes dark. But what happens in the morning? The sun comes back up and there's new life, new opportunity. It is woven into all of creation. So I gave you this butterfly and you may think it's a cool butterfly, but we get a two for one. Because this butterfly is actually seed paper. So those bumps you fill on the paper, those are seeds. And the instructions, according to what I read, were you to tear this up and to put it in a pot in some soil and water it, and something will grow. And it'll remind you when it peeks through the surface of the soil about resurrection. Now, a lot of folks after the last service ask me, what, what flowers are in these? And the, the makers don't tell you it's a surprise, which plays right into our text today. We have no idea, right? what we sow, and what it will ultimately look like. And I hope that, um, that this will help you um, have hope. As people who claim Jesus Christ in our lives, hope that our perishable body will put on imperishability, that our mortal body will put on immortality, so that, as Paul writes, the saying that is written will be fulfilled, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You know, we don't often um, share a lot of the things that we do in our traditional worship service down here. It's a little bit of a different place. But just once in a while, I like to break with that tradition. And um, would you would y'all like to just share together in the Apostles' Creed um, with me today? Or Pastor Katie, I think, is going to lead us. Is she... She's not in the room, so it looks like I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, let's share together. These words are on the screen. And when we share in the Apostles' Creed, this affirmation of faith where the resurrection of the body is at the end, um, 
usually what we do is we stand. So if you wouldn't mind standing, if you are able to stand, and we'll share together in, um, in, this, in this creed. And I want you to pay attention to the very, very last line. And then, uh, and then Mindy will have a little uh, chorus afterwards, and then we'll, we'll go. Okay. Let's share together in the affirmation of faith. I believe, and say it with me, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and he sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.